need. Noun. Obligation. A lack of something requisite, desirable or useful. A condition requiring supply or relief. Verb. To be in want. To have cause or occasion for. To be under obligation or necessity. Hi, folks. Welcome to another way. I'm your host, KJ Bell. <laughs> it still feels weird. This is what, episode 10 or something, and it still feels weird. Feels weird. <laughs> Oy. I said last episode maybe I'd make it an entire episode someday without tripping over my tongue. And look at that. We're not even a minute in, and there it is. Oh, well, don't pretend to be something you're not. That's the entire point of the podcast. <laughs> so. I just finished recording what it, what you heard last week. Hopefully. Hopefully you heard it last week. I just finished the Faith episode. And uh, had kind of a blinding realization toward the end of that. If you didn't hear that, I encourage you to go back and listen. But it, it, it was interesting to me, and I just I I realized that I needed to talk about it, or at least not stop talking into the microphone. It is so strange when you're doing this sort of um, work, this sort of self exploration, this sort of self unblocking stuff. And I don't think it ever really ends once you begin it. But it is interesting to sort of peel back the layers on yourself. And just keep discovering it. And that's why that's why it's a lot easier for me to sort of tame the voices, the critics in my head that say, well, you know, who are you to be doing this podcast? Who are you to be telling people how to... The voices say fix themselves when you're still broken yourself. <laughs> and the voices are not right about me or about you. None of us are really broken. I think we all want to feel more comfortable in our skins more whole. And I think you can feel like you're not whole, but not be broken. I think they're completely different concepts. The other thing that you have to think about with a lot of this stuff is the language that you use. Because semantics matter. They might be annoying at times, but they, they really do matter. I'll just give you an example. I'm very careful when I talk about my depression, which is not often. Because I because there's still that stigma that I'm trying to overcome. <laughs> but I'm very careful never to say I suffer. 
from depression. I always try to say that I deal with it. Whenever I think about it, I always try to use the word deal because it puts a much better spin on it for me. Hm. Wasn't expecting to go there, but it, it, I think we all want to feel more whole and that's why I'm so drawn to this work. I know that it's early days and I get very easily discouraged with podcast. I almost I didn't want to record today. You know, episode is coming out tomorrow and I and it's it is currently 9:38 on Monday night and I did not want to record the episode that is supposed to post tomorrow. Because it's very easy to feel like I'm just um, talking into the microphone and nobody's listening. But I've had a couple of people outside of my circle tell me that they listen and that they enjoy it and that it's helped them. And uh, that has helped me immensely. <laughs> There's countless proverbs that say the same basic idea of, of we teach what we need to learn the most. And I don't, like, I, I think, like a lot of things that are really wise, I don't think you can get super specific with it. Like, I don't think math teachers really need to learn math more than anything else. You know what I'm saying? Like, But concepts like this, the reason that I teach this creativity stuff is because it's what I needed the most when I was younger. And there's another, you know, idea of be the you that you needed when you were younger. And I guess that's all I'm trying to do here. Which brings us to need. The word of the day. Here we are after six minutes. <laughs> um, so I had this idea for this podcast. And, you know, because I, 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 I love the structure of, of the way I'm doing it with the idea of, of each episode being a word and we focus on the word and blah, blah, blah. It's this, I think it's the same part of me that is drawn to books based on their titles. I think that a book title has immense power. I think that song titles have, have immense power to them. And I just had, I was working, reading some book, and it talked about identity and safety. And my mind, at the thought of the idea of safety, shifted to... Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. If you're unfamiliar with Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, it's an idea presented by um, a psychologist. I think he was a psychologist. Psychologist, psychiatrist, one of those psi words. Abraham uh, Maslow. And I, I can't remember when he was working. I, you know, Google it. 
<laughs> I'm going to make you do some work too. But the basic idea of the hierarchy of needs is, is it's a pyramid. And to simplify it all, at the bottom you have physiological needs, you know, air, water, food, shelter, the basic things that you need to survive. And then above that you have safety, which is, you know, your personal security, financial security, your health, um, safety against accidents and illness, that sort of thing. And the idea is that you can't get to safety without having the physiological needs met. So it goes physiological needs on the bottom, safety, love and belonging, so friendship, int intimacy, family, blah, blah, blah. Then ab above that, there's esteem. And Maslow defined two areas of, of esteem. There's the lower form of esteem, which is uh, respect from other people and kind of external uh, esteem. And then there's the higher level, which is self-esteem. Then these these other two, he kind of tweaked the pyramid at his later years of work. And there's self-actualization, which is the desire to accomplish everything that one can to become the most they can be. And then there's self-transcending, which says that self only finds true actualization by giving itself to some higher goal outside itself. So that's that whole ego and working for something bigger than you idea that we talked about in last week's faith episode. And so the entire idea of this pyramid is that you cannot, well, the entire idea of, of any pyramid is that you cannot build a higher level without having the foundation of the lower level. So you can't worry about, you know, do I have enough money in the bank if you don't know where your water is coming from, for example. And I think that generally this is true. I think that there are, like any concept, there are exceptions to the rule. But I think that this is a very uh, good way of thinking about a lot of things. <laughs> and so, in my typical way of teasing, we're going to take a break and talk about sponsors and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to come back and I'll, we'll talk about how I view art in the context of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Great Grand Projects, a creative collective of artists on the web at greatgrandprojects.com. But the bulk of our break today is going to be talking about Horizon Creative Studio, which is also sponsoring, sponsoring the podcast. Because, it, uh, of course, it is the home of Another Way. And if you go on the website and you look under the Workshops tab, you can find descriptions of, right now, at least three different workshops that are available for me to teach. So there is... Another way, living a creative life, which is the general sort of how to figure out what your art is and how to start this process. It's sort of the, the most basic workshop we got. Then there's Another Way Musically Speaking. Now, I really like this idea. It is a masterclass. If you're, if you're a musician, you're really familiar with the idea of masterclasses, where a guest artist comes in and, work, and you, you perform for them, and then they work with you to hopefully uh, make your make it a little bit better. 
So this is a masterclass with another way twist. So what it is, is I will come in, I will work with you on your musicality, hopefully a group of people. The idea is to do all of these for groups of people. But I'll present everything with my musical background through the lens of these concepts I'm presenting here on the podcast, which I am very excited about doing somewhere. And the third one is another way creating with depression. Now, I've made no secret of the fact on the podcast that I deal with depression. And one of my missions in life is just to sort of destigmatize the views of mental health in this country that we have in our society. So this workshop is designed for people who want to create and deal with depression, for people who maybe have someone, somebody in their life and they just want to understand depression a little bit better. Um, I will talk in, in these workshops about the two different kinds of depression that I view. I should mention that I'm not a doctor. I'm just a person. Just a person, you see, that deals with depression themselves and creates and knows some ways to help both of those things and wants to destigmatize. I'm really fond of that word today. So you can go on to horizoncreativestudios.com and you can check those workshops out. You can fill out a contact form if you'd like to bring a workshop to your cité, to your area. So let's get back to the podcast. Did you like that? You like that commercial? Wasn't it nice? Maybe it wasn't nice. Maybe it was obnoxious. Maybe you're tired of me teasing you and then talking about shameless self-promotion. Anyway, so we were talking about Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. And you might notice that nowhere in those descriptions of the different levels did I talk about creating and did I talk about art. I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> there is a fantastic documentary on the Netflix on the late, great Joan Rivers. And I watch it probably five times a year. It's called Joan Rivers, A Piece of Work. And it's one of those following a year in the life of uh, documentaries. And it starts when she's in a bit of a dip career-wise. And it ends with her winning Celebrity Apprentice, which kind of catapulted her up back into an upswing that lasted pretty much until you know, she died a couple years ago. I'm still in mourning. But one part that stuck out to me so clearly... She's talking about how um, rough show business can be and how there's constant rejection that you have to deal with. And she said, you know, people ask me all the time, why do you still do it? Why are you still working at this when you're so sick of the rejection, basically? And she looks at the camera and she's got tears in her eyes. And she says, ask a nun why she's a nun. You know, I don't have a choice. And that, um, that resonated so powerfully with me. Because 
I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them right now. I have this stack of notebooks on my desk with so many different projects. I spent my entire undergraduate career fighting to be both a string player and a vocalist. Pretty much my entire creative life, people have been telling me that I need to focus and I need to pick one. I need to pick something. You know, jack of all trades, master none. But I don't have a choice. I need to do these things. Because if I don't, my brain won't leave me alone. I talked last episode about that novel that I've been writing and I, how I've abandoned it so many times and I keep coming back to it because the characters won't leave me alone. My brain won't leave me alone. You know, I said in the, in the Matter episode when I talked a lot about my depression that when I'm depressed, my brain is not my friend. And I realized a couple of days ago when I was thinking about this idea, my brain has is, is never been my friend. <laughs> We're like that person that you work with that you get along with most of the time and you have a mutually beneficial relationship, like you get good work done together, but you're not friends. That's me and my brain. If I don't do everything I'm doing, my brain won't stop. Which is also something that I'm terrified about, but that's another episode, I think. I need... To do all of these things. I don't have a choice. Ask a nun why she's a nun. And I think, you know, we'll just, we'll stick with the idea of my collegiate experience for a minute, just because I think, because it's easier to talk about. Um, you know, I, I was a violinist since I was eight and I was a vocalist from high school and I love them both. And I learned so much doing both and I never wanted to not do both. But my teachers would constantly tell me that I needed to pick one. And I think the thing that I used to say was, you know, I know that I'm not going to be the baritone on stage at the Met. I know that I'm not going to be a violinist with the New York Philharmonic. That's not what I want to do. I want to do both of these things, and I want to do them well. And as long as I'm doing them both, I'm going to be happy. If I abandon one of my things, I'm not going to be happy. And yeah, if I dropped everything and just focused on the novel, let's say, let's say if every day I just wrote the novel, it would get done, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel fulfilled. I wouldn't feel whole. So that need to create I guess in a lot of ways, I didn't even need to talk about Maslow's hierarchy, because I think that the need to create transcends it. And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, painting, specifically. You know, I'm not talking about making sculpture. I'm not talking about composing. I'm talking about just the need to do something creative. Because you're not going to be painting if you're starving. But that doesn't mean that you're not creating. I think that we as a species 
have a fundamental need to create. People do it all the time when their safety needs are not met. People do it to meet those needs, you know. How do you think things like irrigation were invented? It was a cre it was creativity. It's creating. I think that the need to create should go under those physiological needs. But that doesn't mean that you can't get to the rest of the levels of the pyramid without creating. Because oftentimes you have situations where like the lack of the love and belonging, which is the third level, a lack of friendship, a lack of intimacy, a lack of a, of a relationship, you know, the end of something like that can make you create, can give you the impetus to do that. And art can help us achieve that same sense of love and belonging by helping us find our tribe. Like I said at the beginning, a lot of people just want to feel whole. I think we want to feel whole. And a big part of that is we're social creatures. As much as I hate it, <laughs> we're social beings. And, um, you know, I, I would love and I frequently do just stay in my house and work or, you know, not work um, for days on end sometimes. But if I don't talk to another human being, I start to go stir crazy. You know, we need that sense of connection that is also so terrifying. And that's why I'm glad that I got my music ed degree, even though I don't ever intend to be in a public school classroom, because it gave me that tribe. It gave me a group of people to work with. There go the cats again. Always when I'm on a roll. Okay. Don't have pets. Or children. I'm sure children are worse. Um, so need, need to create. The need to create is... strong with us like the force see what you did cat you just derailed me completely <laughs> um but yeah so the the that drive and that need to create can help us get to those certain levels of maslow's pyramid because like i said it can drive us to be with a group of people that we can talk about, talk with about the things that we want to do, about the creations we want to make. You know, you just think about, I mean, any field has its own jargon, but, uh, you know, we'll just go with music because I'm a musician. The thing that I love about musicians is being able to talk to them about music and have them understand what I'm talking about. When I was in high school, there were um, a group of us that were in, you know, orchestra, choir, band, and 
then there was one person that we hung around with who did um like she did photography and stuff so she was creative but she wasn't in music and so we would frequently just make stuff up just to confuse her it was fun because <laughs> she had no idea that there's no such thing as yeah those uh those compound three-quarter key sharp signatures <laughs> like because it's another language you're speaking and it's always helpful to have somebody to speak your language to think about if you've been well you don't even have to go to another country sometimes but if you've been around a bunch of people who are speaking a language that you don't speak at all it's isolating it's so isolating um it can be thrilling sometimes but it's often so isolating and so when you have a group of people that you can communicate with and have that connection it fosters it fosters a level of safety i think and it gives you that sense of belonging that is so wonderful and you know the thing that i keep telling people as i'm expanding the brand of an other way is that it's for all of those people who were labeled other and oftentimes the reason that we block ourselves creatively and we deny those unique things about us like i did for so long is because we want that belonging we want to belong we want to fall into that quote-unquote normal group of people so it's it's a strong drive but here's the thing about um the need for it and here's why i classify it as a uh, as a physiological need because i think that if we deny our art and we deny that need to create it can literally kill us and you know you're not ever going to go to a medical examiner and find on a death certificate cause of death lack of creating because it doesn't work like that. It's a much more subtle process. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. We're going to, it's, it's the denial that turns into, that manifests as other things. You know, you deny something and it will have physiological consequences. I think I think it's the cause of a lot of people's depression. I think it's the cause of a lot of things like anxiety. It's a, it's the cause of a lot of mental health problems and that can make people do some um pretty harmful things to themselves. You know, that can lead to addictions and um well, most people know where addictions can lead to. can not always but can and i think that and i've talked about this before i think that if we deny this stuff it can manifest as things like cancer and it's a lifetime you know you you don't people so often think that things happen so fast but uh <laughs> the example that comes to mind just because i pulled a back muscle recently is um my own back 
you know, I'm in my 20s and I have massive back problems from the way that I played violin for years because I did this thing that um, is called good posture disease in the Alexander Technique. So I would, people would tell me to sit up and I would sit up too straight. So rather than slouching, my spine would be curved the other direction. A decade of doing that made it to where I was on stage at the age of, uh, I, I was probably 20, 20 or 21, crying because I could, and I stopped playing in the middle of a concert. Mendelssohn's Fifth Symphony, I think. It was Mendelssohn something. Um, stopped playing in the middle. Tears streaming down my face because I was in so much pain. And when it first started happening, I had no idea because it's like, okay, did I tweak myself? Did I, what did I do? It was 10 years of slow buildup. And that is what denying our need to create can do mentally and emotionally. And physically, sometimes I think. It's just my theory. You know, don't ask me to quote studies because I don't have any. But it's not a quick thing. It's much slower and therefore much more insidious because you can't always know the root of it. That's why you need to create now. You need to stop denying the things that you've been denying. That's why it's so important to do this work. It's so important to get to know yourself and allow yourself to do this. You know, the thing that I, I love that Julia Cameron says in The Artist's Way is, is that when people ask her what she does, she says, I teach creativity. And when people are like, well, how do you teach that? She says, I teach people how to let themselves be more creative. Because that's the thing. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm not teaching you how to be creative. I'm reminding you. There's a great, I think it's Janet Mock. But if I'm wrong, don't yell at me. That says, uh, we're born exactly who we are. I, this is not the exact quote. And to paraphrase, it's we're born exactly who we are. And then living is the process of reminding ourselves. I'm not telling you anything new here, people. I'm reminding you stuff that you've forgotten. And I'm going to keep reminding you. Because that's how you build habits. And because I need to. Ask a nun why she's a nun. So, follow me on the Twitter. At that KJ Bell. Where I'll remind you to create... I'll remind you that it is okay to be an artist. It's okay to create. It's okay to be exactly as you are right now. It is okay. You are okay. And I'm okay. <laughs>